Mutasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namotasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Buddham Dhamang Sangang Namasam So uh, a little bit more about the aggregates, eh? <laughs> Some uh, thoughts tonight about feeling and uh, about perception and about formations that I hope will be helpful for you in your practice. So one of the things that we notice, um, as I was talking about last week, is uh, you know, as we practice through the months and years of practice, whether here or, or wherever you're, you're doing it, you know, you're beginning to notice, to be, become quite adept at seeing this constant flow of pleasure, pain, and neither. Like I was saying last week, that sense of that, that uh, uh, you know, and the, of, the, of the constant parade of, of emotional states, of feeling states that are, that are happening. And, and you, as you watch that, you really do see very directly each of us watches this directly, how that is indeed the kicking off point for, for greed, hatred, and delusion. You can actually watch it happening. And I think it's really important to uh, note, to, to realize, to state at this point, that that impulse to go into greed, hatred, and delusion is very highly conditioned. <laughs> You know, that, that, you know, if you feel frustrated because of the highly conditioned nature of it, it's because one isn't realizing or looking at that more impartially. You just sort of stand back and you go, wow, <laughs> this stuff is strong. You know, it just goes into it. I can, I can wish or hope or want all, all I want not, not to go into it. But that whoosh from pleasure, pain, and neither to greed, hatred, delusion is very, very strong. And this is, you know, what we're witnessing very at first hand, is the, uh, the force of karma, the force of uh, karmic uh, patterns and conditioning, the habits and patterns of the mind. And one really has to have, at least this is what I've come to in my own practice, yeah, you've got to have a healthy respect for that. <laughs> it's, it's extremely strong, and uh, just be aware of, of the force behind that. And, and, and I guess in a way to conclude, that you, you can't expect to stop doing that, at least not in the short term. And, and I find just realizing that helps me settle back a bit and, and, and watch it. That's the, that's the purpose. It's, you know, if you get in there and start this fight with it, where you want it not to be that way, then uh, you're missing the point of practice. And besides which, it just all becomes a battleground. You just fight it and resist it. Our, our objective is to see it. I was noticing this one time on a, a, a month-long retreat that I did a couple of years ago. Just, you know, the, the retreat, it, it was amazing. It just seems to take on, you know how different retreats take on a different character. You don't plan it, you don't think about it. You can have all kinds of ideas about how your retreat's going to go, but you don't know until you start it uh, what's actually going to play out. And, and for me, during the, this particular retreat, I just seemed to, the whole time, just be sitting and watching the, the chatter of the mind, and that it was all just, just that. You know, if there was a pleasant thought, then the mind would glom onto it and start to build a world around it. You know, it was an unpleasant sensation, the mind would glom onto that and, and start to, to build a, a world around that. You know, and then um, 
the pull of those I, w I would just be noticing was so great that sometimes I, you know, I couldn't help doing it. You know, you, you wake up a few seconds later or a few moments later and, you, you know, I've just been caught in it all again. And, and uh, you know, I sort of stand back and just try to regroup, uh, settle down again and create the right environment for that impartial observing and, 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 and then it would happen again. And, and sometimes I could sustain that presence of mind and sometimes I couldn't, you know. And I think it has to be said that um, this, is, uh, this is the way practice goes. You know, this is all within the realm, even, of good practice. If this is what you're seeing, if this is the kind of noticing that you're doing, then it's going very well. <laughs> you know, we can get caught up in the goal instead of the process and think that you know, somehow we should uh, stop it all. You know, it, it should all come to an end. And I don't know, it just hasn't been my experience that we can expect to do that, at least not in the short term. But we can expect to see it happening. And you can expect to bear it better so that the, the quality of heart with which you're seeing it is changing radically over the months and years of practice. You know, that it, it, it's... It's not that it's okay on one level. You know, we're suffering. It's not okay on one level. But it is okay on another level, meaning that it's, it's what's happening. It has to be okay. It's what's happening. And we're, we're adopting an attitude towards it that uh, is more allowing and accepting of it. So being able to bear it better is not the consolation prize. You know, it, it's, it's the practice. It's, it's actually the practice right there. So, you know, and, and <clears throat> there's a lot going on in that. And just consider how much is going on in that. Because over time, just the willingness to hang in there and watch the mind grab and release and grab and release, what's happening in that is that there's a, a subtle impression being made on the mind of, of what the experience of the grabbing is <laughs> and what the experience of the release is. And it, it's fascinating to consider that uh, you're, you're, you're actually observing directly that the grabbing hurts <laughs> and the release feels good. And the grabbing hurts and the release feels good. And so if you think about it, what, you're, what we're actually doing is using this capacity to feel to help us stop grabbing feeling. <laughs> yeah? to stop going into greed, hatred, and delusion ar around the experience of, of pleasure, pain, and neither. You know, it's fascinating. I mean, I often say we're, that the whole system is hardwired for freedom. If you just get out of the way and let it work, you know, let it do its thing. Um, and this is, this is exactly how it, how it does it. Gradually, uh, the mind just learns to let feeling be feeling, you know. And that, that might not sound like much, ma'am, but... You know, the whole, uh, th there's a tremendous amount of anxiety in life around pleasure, pain, and neither. You know, there's, you look, look at where all the, the uh, restlessness and agitation comes from. It's around one way or another relating to these. And, and there's even more anxiety around what happens when we don't see that and we go into greed, hatred, and delusion. So if we don't learn to see feeling and, and really learn to leave it at that, 
then what we do is subject ourselves to a tremendous amount of unnecessary mental torment. You know, it just, that becomes our world. And, and I think more importantly, we obstruct the uh, potential for insight. Because gradually what's happening as we practice with, uh, with feeling is you begin to see the difference. Again, logically, this sounds so simple, but you have to be there for the experience to know it in the heart. We, we see the difference between uh, finding things pleasant and having to have them or demanding that they last. You know, believe me, I've tried. <laughs> they, they don't last. They, they just kind of move through. There's, there is pleasure, but it moves through. And, and we see the difference between um, finding things unpleasant and the battle that goes on in resistance to that. Yeah, it, it, it's like there's two events. And until we practice, we don't know that. At least I didn't. You know, that's all one big thing. You're in pain, you get rid of it. You're pleasure, you grab hold, you know, and you try to make it last or try to get more of it. And, and so then uh, we also see the difference between finding things neither pleasant nor unpleasant and checking out. Which, if your mind is anything like mine, that's the dominant feature of my, my condition. You know, the <laughs> just checking out because it's, there's no, it's not too thrilling. Nothing much is happening. And so the, the mind just starts to drift and dream. You know, it's a dominant state for me. That, that I call it my drifty, dreamy mind. You know, it goes into that quite frequently. So, uh, admittedly, um, these kinds of these insights, just seeing things that clearly, it puts us uh, squarely in touch with the fact that pleasure doesn't last and that pain is unavoidable and that the experience of, of neither uh, pleasure nor pain is, is pretty much a dominant feature of our experience because life just isn't thrilling all the time, despite all the ads, you know? It's, it's just, there's not a whole lot happening, you know? Ajahn Sumedho would say, every now and then you have a good laugh, every now and then you have a good cry, but most of it's kind of <laughs> not a whole lot happening, you know? <laughs> And, and the, the, the thing is, we check out, and yet that experience of not a whole lot happening is one of the, if we can stay there with it, 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 it's one of the inroads to learning about equanimity and experience equanimity. It's like a precursor to it. And so we, we want to we be in touch with these realities of um, impermanence and, and suffering and, and non-self. And uh, working with feeling in this way puts us right there. It, it, it's because it, it, we want to see it because it's the way it is, you know. And, and one finds that it's actually, you know, over time it just starts to occur to you, you know, you know it's, it's actually better, you know, impermanent suffering and non-self, it's actually better <laughs> than fighting it all the time. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm wearing myself out with the fighting of the way that life actually is. So we, we settle and, uh, you know, I love that. It, it just kind of something that uh, one settles into over the months and years of practice. And the, uh, there's another very important thing about working with uh, this sort of worldly level of, of pleasure, pain, and neither. It, it's uh, when we're not so caught up in these, 
when we're able to stand back a little bit more and just let it be that way, you know, then um, we're, we're actually um, free in a way to turn this feeling uh, capacity that this human being has uh, in the direction of, of freedom. And we, we begin to notice what uh, Buddha is, um, calls the, the unworldly pleasure, pain, and neither. You know, he takes, in the, in the second foundation of mindfulness, he takes, he takes pleasure to this higher order of magnitude, in a way, and pain, and neither, and, and invites us to see this. And I see it as sort of like something that actually happens quite organically in practice. When you start to get attuned to feeling, then you notice feeling, not just the feeling that has to do with the sense realm, but the pleasure, pain, and neither that has to do with uh, states of mind and states of being. So this is what he's, he, he points to uh, in his instruction on the, on the meditation. And, and what he's saying here is that there, there is a pleasure that is associated with renunciation, <laughs> a pleasure that's associated with not grasping, you know, not to mention kindness and compassion and generosity and all these beautiful states. But if you, if you haven't become accustomed to noticing pleasure in the sense realm, you know, you may not, you may miss it on this realm. <laughs> and this is very, very important because uh, the heart needs to know very directly that it is better to let go. <laughs> you know, intellectually, um, we, we probably don't know that until we practice. You know, it sure feels better to hold on. Uh, you, you think you're actually getting a hit. But uh, notice what, just all you have to do is watch those moments like I was describing in my retreat where, you know, you'd grab and let go, grab and let go. The, 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 the evidence is right in that kind of looking. <laughs> so where, where do you want to be? You know, what, what's, the, what's the experience that uh, is, is more comfortable for you? And that's what we begin to see. And it's a, it's a great feeling. I remember one time when I was, I was walking around the loop. Uh, I, I can't even remember the details of it. I think it was during a retreat, but... I was on the back side of the loop, and um, as I said, I don't remember what it was that I was thinking about, whether it was something I saw or heard or something that I thought, but I do remember that I was about to go into a nasty state, <laughs> you know, about it, and um, I w- because of the state of my mind, the quality of the observing in that moment, I actually could feel that starting to bubble up, you know, and it, because of the power of the mindfulness in that moment, it, it fizzled. It completely fizzled. It was like, oh man, I was about to, yeah, I could feel the nausea and feel the tightening, and ugh, I'm about to, and then all of a sudden it was gone. Just like that, you know? And uh, I, I, I do remember, I'm getting it now, I remember the goose flesh <laughs> really good, you know, that it, there was that, that feeling, oh my goodness, <laughs> I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't go into it. (laughs) This is so great. (laughs) This is fabulous. I I was really about to create a big one, (laughs) you know, and it didn't happen. And and that feeling, you know, you you sort of start to get the feeling of, uh, you know how so many times in the suttas there are people who get it in in a moment uh, of hearing the Buddha teach, and then there's always this, it's wonderful, it's marvelous, you know. <laughs> you hear this, it's a constant refrain in the suttas, you know. Oh, 
and you start to get a feeling of what that what that is. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's marvelous. <laughs> Letting go. <laughs> Love that feeling. And this is what he's talking about. This is the unworldly pleasure associated with renunciation, with letting go. And, I mean, for me, I find it very delicious. You know, beet strawberry cheesecake any day. And Ajahn Chah would say that this is the, he would call Nibbana, the reality of non-grasping. You know, that's like, the, the, you, you want to talk pleasure, that's the ultimate pleasure. So there's an unworldly feeling that's associated um, with a pain uh, as well, an unworldly painful feeling. And it has to do with, I mean, any number of things. It's certainly the grief or the pain we feel in moments when we're doing harm or when we're remembering harm that we've done. You know, and this is, this is a lot of the stuff that comes up in meditation, isn't it? And, and you, you feel the remorse. And this is something that is highly, highly valued in our practice. You know, not, not that one wants to go into guilt and shame and be, you know, getting out the whip or anything like that, but it, it's, it's that there is an actual, can't believe I did that feeling. And this is it's a very important thing to, to notice, to be open to, to, to feel very directly. You know, the Buddha talked about Hiri and Otapa, the the guardians, he called them the protectors of the universe, the guardians of the universe. These two qualities of a, of, of a kind of shame and a dread of ever doing harm again. A shame for harm we've done, a remorse for harm we've done, and dread of ever doing it again. You know, I, I love that. The, the idea here is that anybody who doesn't have a lot of this is probably in pretty deep doo-doo, you know, <laughs> because you, you, you want that. You want these qualities. They're, they'll protect your heart. They'll protect uh, other people. But there's, there's the, the, the pain uh, also of, of constantly being caught up and stuck in ignorance. You know, somebody was, was saying in, a, in an interview, you know, that it sucks to be so caught up. <laughs> I'm sick of it. <laughs> sick of it. Tell you, I'm sick of it. <laughs> I don't want to be caught up anymore. That that kind of feeling, and this you want to feel that. This is an important uh, thing to feel. So certainly not spin out on it, not get stuck in it in a way. But that there's something very real that needs to be touched there. And I remember saying, "Yeah, yeah, well said. <laughs> That's right. It it really does stink, you know." And we, we talk about the unworldly pain um, that, that comes, this is an interesting one, it comes on the heels of insight. That, that feeling that many of you have described where um, we've seen the truth. We've seen the way that we're creating difficulty. Yeah, You see yourself do it, but then you can't stop doing it. You know, there's a, there's like, there's a, a lag, sort of. <clears throat> and, you know, the way I framed it for myself is just to acknowledge that it takes time for the, the, the knowing that comes with insight to stabilize. It, you don't just see and all of a sudden all the 
ways that the, the, the karmic patterns to the contrary are completely uprooted. You know, it just doesn't happen like that. It takes time for that uh, knowing to, to stabilize. And in, in, in the meantime, it can be a very painful experience. You know, you, you've all, I'm sure you've all, most of you have heard just about everybody say, you know, why can't I remember? I know this. I know this. I'm still doing it. Why, why is that? And I love what Pema Chodron says about this. She, she calls this the in-between place. It's a great apt name for it. Uh, it it's it's that, that place wherein we're awake enough to see clearly how it's happening, how the harm is being created, but not awake enough to stop doing it. <laughs> and, and you know what she says about it? She says, um, get used to it. Because <laughs> you're going to be there for a long time. <laughs> I, I don't know, I find that very reassuring somehow. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, okay. I mean, if somebody would just tell me that, then uh, it's a little more digestible, you know? That's the way it goes. It, it, we, we, and, and we want to, you know, it may not be entirely good news on one level, but we actually want to feel that pain and, and make peace with it. You know, I, I find it just helps me relax more. I'd be a lot more patient around practice. That it, it just takes time. We, we're in a process here, you know. You, you can't expect it to happen overnight. And, and for myself, I, I find that I'm just... This, this may sound nuts, but I, I find I'm a lot happier when um, I, I acknowledge that I'm ignorant. <laughs> you know, just I, I get it. That, uh, you know, it's kind of like, it's, it's just that it's real, and I'm being real in, in that uh, realization. And it occurred to me one time that, you know, here I am, I, I find myself in this embarrassing situation of being an unawake human being. <laughs> and then I took a funny consolation in the fact that, well, you know, I happen to be on a planet full of unawake human beings. So, you know, so I got a lot of company at least, you know. <laughs> we can all bungle through this, you know. <laughs> at, at least those of us who are, who are trying to, you know. And, and again, there's a certain um, peace in that. It's just lose the edge. <laughs> This is the condition that we find ourselves in. And what are you going to do, hate it? Are you going to go to battle with it? Or, or just, uh, are we going to just get it? That's, this is the way it is. And, and work from there. It's that, that saying, you know, start where you are. <laughs> okay, I'll start there. <laughs> it's a lot easier, actually. So the, the Buddha says that we should... Um, this is in the, the, the third foundation of mindfulness, and I, I found it really got my attention the first time I read it. He, he said that we should, we should know the awakened mind as the awakened mind. And, and you know, this is reflected many times in the, in the suttas, where you, you hear what's called the, the victory cry of the arhans. You know, birth is destroyed, the holy life has been lived, what had to be done has been done. 
There is no more coming to any state of being. Yeah? It's like, ah, we all want that, right? Who doesn't? And that, that just kind of reflecting on that helps you uh, stay in, invested, vitalized, or in practice. But it's interesting that he follows that. The, the next sentence is, um, and, and one should know the unawakened mind as the unawakened mind. And, and uh, it, it just struck me, sort of the subtext in there is a, is a kind of impartiality. You know, it, it's, he says it very matter-of-factly. Know the unawakened mind as the unawakened mind. Know the awakened mind as the awakened mind. It, it, there seems to, he seems to be pointing to, there isn't any right or wrong in either one. You know, he's not saying it's right to be one way and wrong to be another way. It, it's just the, what is. That this is. It's this way or it's this way. It's awake or it's not awake. And so that our job is to, and to open to that and, and let the direct experience of that or the direct knowledge that's associated with that do its magic on the moment. Yeah? I mean, that's what I read into it. You know, and, and to me, that's the equanimity, the, the unworldly, neither pleasure nor pain. <laughs> that's equanimity. It, it's this way, it's this way. Oh, okay. Coming from knowing, coming from understanding that uh, that's the way it is and, and not quarreling with it. And, and these, so these unworldly feelings, unworldly pleasure associated with renunciation, the, the unworldly pain associated with harm and being uh, the grief that we feel because of our, our lack of understanding. You know, the, the uh, unworldly, uh, neither pleasure nor pain of equanimity. These, we have to know that these are all key players in the process of waking up. So that the, the whole no feeling as feeling includes knowing these. It's not just the feeling that's associated with the sense realm. Yeah? And this, and when we understand this, then, you know, I don't know about you, but it just it perks the interest. <laughs> am, am I noticing renunciation? Am I noticing the, the pain uh, and the remorse that I feel for the harm? Current, present time harm, past harm, doesn't matter. Am I noticing these? So a little bit about um, identification with perception and, and formations. There's a lot in this as well. And, uh, I, I struggle just preparing some thoughts tonight because one wants to cover the universe in, in a single talk, you know, and you can't. So just hopefully zeroing in on some of the things uh, based on our conversations that might be most useful. Uh, so this aggregate of, of uh, perception um, it, it's, uh, there's a lot to it, but it's largely the momentary uh, recognition that, uh, that takes place just at the moment of contact. So that um, something, the mind, it, it, it's just like feeling. It arises in, in every moment of contact, and there's nothing you can be done, that can be done about it. But the mind, it, it sort of uh, tries to get a sense of what is being known in that moment. 
And, and you know, I experience that sometimes it's almost like there's a, there's a huge filing cabinet in the mind. And you, you, you have some moment of contact, and there's like the, all this fancy footwork, this mad scrambling in the mind to get a fix, just to get a fix on what it is that one is knowing, one is uh, uh, cognizing in that moment. Yeah? And uh, so, so you, if you get a sense of that, you, you can see where perception includes um, a lot of the names that we give to, give to things, the labeling and the recognizing, just that, oh, it's a, what, what is it, what is it, oh, oh, that, you know, that moment where it gets that fix uh, is a lot, uh, it's, it's just a faculty or uh, a function of the mind. This is what it does, one of the things that it does. But, uh, and so that's the most simple level of it, but it, it's, you know, perception is pretty, can be pretty complex. And the line between perception and formations gets a little fuzzy. But uh, very quickly, uh, on the heels of getting that fix, and, and even part of getting that fix, the mind starts to um, draw associations to it. Uh, it relates. It, it goes, oh, I know, oh that, that's yellow. That looks like the yellow that I saw over there. And that's, that's a cup, and because it's shaped like other cups, you know, other things I've known as a cup or a glass. It's, it's doing this very, very, very quickly. And, and it will bring in uh, memories. Part of the, you can see where a player in that would be remembering. Um, but it also includes uh, more complex memories, just the moment of that happening. Um, and it includes a lot of the plans and the ideas that we get, uh, fantasizing and imaginings, just, just the, the first moment of those imaginings taking form in the mind. And, and perception is also, at its maybe its most complex level, includes a lot of the, the biases, the views, the ideas, the notions that occur to us. And then that these are, I mean, some of these can be quite um, deeply, deeply rooted. We, have, we all have views about the way things are or ought to be based on our conditioning, you know, based on things that we've, we've learned. Um, about about the world, we have views about ourselves, and man, that's a whole talk in itself. You know, <laughs> uh, how we can get caught in these um, that are just notions, they're just ideas that are put in there, either in this life conditioning or previous life conditioning. It's hard to tell sometimes, but when the point is that when we when we don't see them, then we get identified, we get caught up and they, they, be, they, they loom very large. They become more real than the fact that uh, there's an idea in the mind. There's a view in the mind. You know, the content of it starts to take on a life of its own. So then, you know, in the, in the seconds, um, or split second, finger snap, uh, in the uh, moments uh, after the mind perceives, then, uh, then in come the formations. It's like the, the mind takes that perception and forms around it. I mean, formations is a good word. <laughs> you know, we say fabrications as well. Tanjeff likes to use that word. So basically, what, he's point, what we're pointing to is that, and this is what you're watching all the time in practice, that the, the mind builds, starts to build a world <laughs> around um, a simple perception just a, a simple moment of cognition. 
We call them comma formations, mental formations, fabrications, whatever you want to call it. But it, it's the stories, the moods, the mind states that get um, that come up in relation to uh, that simple moment of of contact and perception and feeling. So one can see that these these two are very hard to separate. You know. Uh, one of the monks explained it to me one time, and I like the way he said it. He said that it's, it's as if the sankharas, which are the formations, are kind of waiting in the wings, you know, just to, for the mind to have a perception, a sanya, so they can, you can have something to play with. You know, you may have noticed this. <laughs> it's like boom, <laughs> boom, <laughs> it just it grabs hold of whatever is happening and builds and creates. You know, I, I once saw it one time, it was like, reminded me of a scene in a Superman movie where Superman goes up to the North Pole and he throws out this kryptonite and it lands in the uh, ice crystals and goes and builds this huge crystal world, you know? And then in the very next second, it just all comes down. And that's, that's what the mind is doing from one moment to the next, glomming on, building a world, and then maybe, if we're lucky, just building it and letting it go, building it and letting it go. But if we're not, building it and moving in, you know? <laughs> That's what it does. <laughs> and so, you know, this is what we want to see. We want to see the, the world that the mind's creating through what is what Buddha is calling attachment or identification with sanya and sankara, the perceptions and, and formations. So a, a couple of the things that uh, some of you have been reporting on, it's very, very interesting to see, see this in the context of, of this particular teaching. You know, someone was saying, well, the, in, the, in the first moments, when the morning, when I wake up, when I'm just emerging out of sleep, you know, there's this, this feeling of, well, I get, I get like a few seconds of peace, <laughs> and then it all starts. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the, the, the mind has, it starts to have its plans and the ideas, and it remembers what it was doing yesterday, and it wants to pick up there where it left off, or it wants to do it better, or it, it, it wants to review and evaluate uh, the, the world that we created yesterday, and whether or not we did okay within it, you know. And, and if we're not careful, then that's the very um, thing that becomes the impetus to just lift you right up out of bed and get going. And, and you, you just hold on you know, the, to that world that's actually a, a constructed world and, and start to live in it very quickly. And you, you, you know what that's like. We all know what that's like to spend the whole day just following the uh, dictates of the, what the mind has glommed onto. Yeah. And it's not very pleasant. We can, we, you, you can live, you can go on all day and never actually be here. You can go on all life, all your whole life and never actually be here, you know. It's just in this world that one has constructed. And, uh, you know, it's like that, somebody was saying the other day, that, that first line of a James Joyce novel, you know, he lived a short distance from himself, you know. <laughs> and that, that's what it's like. You're just kind of over here somewhere. 
Or, you know, someone was saying, you know, waking up in the middle of the night. You know, it's an odd hour of the night. And we wake up all bright and chipper. And then you, then the, the, you look at the clock and you go, wait a minute, it's one o'clock. I shouldn't be awake. <laughs> it's like, hello, you are awake. <laughs> but I shouldn't be. But I am, you know. And then and watch the mind just start to cope with that. All the views. Right? Well, it shouldn't be this way. And it's like something's wrong. It has to be addressed. I have to make myself do something because this uh, uh, unusual moment has occurred. Yeah, and, and, you, and, and then you get caught in all these scrambles, which is you're just trying to go back to sleep. But, you know, because it, it's become a problem and one is going on and on and on about it, you can't, you know. It's wild, but I mean, we're, we can witness this all the time. Something needs to be done about this. This is the, 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 the mind creating a, a view about what is, and then um, struggling to get rid of the view that it just created. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> but that's what it does all day. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so the same kind of thing can, uh, goes on at mealtime. This wasn't on this retreat, but I remember somebody uh, talking to me uh, about the practice during another uh, long retreat. And, and she was actually saying, uh, you know, can't you, can't you give me an IV or something? I'm so sick of mealtime. <laughs> because every time she went into the dining hall, it was like, uh, you know, you got to deal with all the you shoulds and you should. Don't have so much of that. Take more of that. Take less of that. Oh, my goodness. You know, the, 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 there's, there's brownies or there's ginger cake, and you feel bad because you're happy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I'm just sick of this. You know, she was saying. I just, I just the, the mental torment that went on around meals, and certainly we, we all know what she's saying. It may be different degrees of it for each of us, but um, there's just so much uh, chatter. Uh, the, the judging, the criticizing, the wanting, the not wanting, the trying to get away from it all. You know, that, that the mealtime, which in, in some cases might be the highlight of the day, you know, becomes the worst part of the day. I mean, really, she wanted, she wanted to know if she could, if there's any way she could get a, a a tube feed, you know. <laughs> I need the nourishment, but I don't want to go through that anymore. <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny and sad, isn't it? But that's what that's what we do. That's what it's like. So the other, the other day, I, I was sitting here in meditation myself, and. Um, sitting here just minding my own business, meditating, and then um, up popped Aunt Rose, as she does sometimes, <laughs> one of my favorite aunts. And in a, in a finger snap, I'm, a, I'm thinking about this time when I was four or five, and we had a big party at our house in New Jersey, and all the New York relatives came uh, to join us, and, uh, and there was Aunt Rose. And Aunt Rose just had a thing for me. She just loved me, you know, and it was great. And she would just follow me around all the time. At this point, she'd try to sneak up behind me. And, um, and then when she did, she'd kind of put your, boot me in the butt with her knee, you know, and go, boom, 
boom die, boom die, boom die, you know. <laughs> and then I'd just laugh and laugh and turn around and she'd pick me up and um, just, you know, smother me with kisses. And it was just such a great little memory, such a happy memory. A very, very, I'd, I was sitting here smiling and, and feeling that happy feeling, you know. And, and when we talk about the aggregates um, and not identifying with them, it's very easy to think that the, the Buddha is saying that we shouldn't remember things or, or that we shouldn't um, have feelings associated with those memories or, or that we shouldn't go into moods or mind states around all of that. You know, it, it, it's, at least for me it was, I used to think that's, you know, that our objective is to get under all of that somehow. And, and maybe at some point, I don't know, but at least for the time being, it's, the feeling is, well, well, good luck, you know. It's just, it, this is what the mind does. This is how it behaves. And you're not, we don't stop the, the activity of the mind. It remembers, it feels, it, uh, it, it has moods and mind states. We're not trying to stop that, we're just trying to see it and learn to relate to it differently. Yeah? So that it's not something where you are always uh, at the mercy of it, completely caught in every mood and mind state that comes up, uh, lost in every reverie, breathing them back into life, and instead of just uh, standing back with some semblance of impartiality and, and watching the show. You know, there's a way that one can know all of this. And, and what, it, what it is, is irrelevant. <laughs> it doesn't matter. So, so there's Aunt Rose, that's okay. So there's this, so there's that, that's okay. And, and so when a memory pops up, there's a, there's a whole range of, of possible responses. You know, if it's a pleasant memory, then, you know, maybe for a few moments uh, we're in it and we feel the feeling that's associated with that uh, pleasant memory. We linger there for a little bit. If it's unpleasant, you can feel the contraction that takes place with the, the experience of, of uh, unpleasant feeling. Yeah. And, and, and that's okay. It's just all happening quickly, and, and with the, especially within the first few seconds uh, of that particular thing coming up. There's not much you can do about either. You can see a whole lifetime in a, in a moment, can't you? you know, it reminds me of a, of a book I, I read one time. I'm not necessarily recommending it, but it was an amazing book. The whole book was what goes on in this guy's mind for, it's called the mezzanine, from the time that he gets on the escalator at the first floor until he goes up to the mezzanine. <laughs> you know, that, that, that the whole saying that, that your whole world can flash before, your whole life can flash before your eyes in a second at the moment of death. It, it's like that. There's a lot that goes on in those first seconds when um, a feeling or a memory or a memory and a feeling associated with it arises. You, I, I don't think it's realistic to, to think that you're going to stop that. Yeah. We, we, but depending on how um, unattached we are, we can watch it. We can watch it as a memory and just kind of ride the wave of it. 
you know, it, it, and, and it's a, and even, even say something to ourselves about it. This mind is very verbal. It's, it's always talking to itself about what's going on. And so a lot of the thoughts is like, start, like, stop getting so upset about them. The mind is just talking to itself. It's kind of a feedback loop of, of saying, what's going on here, you know? So, so here comes Aunt Rose, you know? And it's like, uh, oh yeah, wasn't she great? Oh, wasn't that wonderful? Oh, that felt so good. That was so wonderful. Ah. And then it's over. You know, it, it, you might even have these kinds of thoughts that, that go with it. The mind is just telling itself, this is a pleasant feeling. The, the, my memory of Aunt Rose is very, very pleasant. And then what's happening, but even while that's going on, you can know that this is a memory, that you're remembering. And this is the way, uh, this is the feeling that's associated with that memory. But if you can feel that, when, when we can relate in that way, we're still here. We're not lost in the memory. Even though it's had a little bit of a life, they, it has a few seconds of life. If, if we don't pick it up and breathe it back into life and start trying to deal with what's going on, but just let it rise and let it pass away, that's, that's normal. Uh, that, that's the way the mind works. And we, we want to see that. We want to notice that and even feel the feelings that are associated with it. And then maybe when it's over, you know, you, you might even have that feedback loop where you say, oh, I was remembering. That was, that's what just happened. I just remembered. So the, the, the same process actually holds true with painful memories. And that... that uh, these may get our attention a little bit more, but they're, they're memories all the same. It might, there might be pain associated with it, but it's still the same thing. But because there's pain, and, and we don't like pain, then the, the tendency uh, to get tripped up by it and start thinking about it and start trying to do something to deal with it is very, very strong. What, what the mind can't see, though, is that what's actually happening in that moment is you're trying to get rid of the pain of now, <laughs> the pain that's associated with that memory. But, you know, we get, we, it all feels so real that you start to breathe it back into life, and it's as if you're dealing with that thing that happened 20 years ago, but you're not. We're just dealing with the pain that's associated with the, with the memory. So, you know, if we can hold that moment with some semblance of, of non-attachment, then you can ride the waves of that in the same way. You know, just ride, let it rise and, and let it pass away. That's, that's what it does, you know. And you can even have a comment about it, you know. It's like, oh, there, that, oh, that really did happen. Oh, I hated that. Wasn't that embarrassing? Wasn't that awful? <sighs> yeah, it just, it, that's the way it goes. It comes up. It builds, the, the wave crests, it breaks, and then it washes ashore. And all of that is, is just the way, it's just the way the system operates. <laughs> you know, we don't have to do anything about it. We don't have to make it not be that way. We just have to see it. And in fact, when it comes to, to painful memories like this, I, I find that in riding that wave, 
I really like to give it all I've got in terms of actually feeling the pain that's associated with something difficult that has happened to us. So that, you know, it's like, just really let it, let it be felt. Because the, the, the delusion is that something, you, you need to go back into that to deal with painful things that have happened to us in our so-called past. But really, the reality is that even at this level, um, all of the, the, the um, sorting out that needs to be done with pain associated with our past is happening in our ability to just feel it when it, hap- when, when it comes up and just give, give ourselves over to it. For the, for the moments of it arising and passing, don't worry that you're indulging it. It, it has a life. You're not indulging it to ride its life out. <laughs> you know, you, you, we're only indulging it when we get born into it again, and and start to deal or cope or something. The the, the only place that we're going to get free of the pain that we feel from past experiences is right here, right now, in the remembering and the experience of the pain. The mind, it's almost like the mind doesn't know the difference. It doesn't know yesterday and tomorrow, and it just knows now. <laughs> and so that's the only thing that makes, it's the only place that you can do anything about it, right? So right here, right now, just really feel it. And, and things that need to get released quote-unquote, do through that. But it's, it's a kind of a, a way of trusting all of that. And this is actually non-identification with the aggregates. <laughs> this is the, the non-attachment. You, you're not getting hooked. It, it's, it's, you're just feeling the wave of it. So it's not that we don't feel the pleasure and the pain that's associated with memories. And it's not that you don't get into even just a little momentary state about it. It's almost like those, those can't be avoided. It's just that one is aware that this is what's happening and lets it be. It lets that happen and knows it as such. <clears throat> I used to battle so much with the mind still do, certainly, but it's diminished so much, you know, over the years of practice. You know, in, in the past something would happen, a thought, a sight, a sound, you know, and, and uh, the mind would be, be off and running, you know, making associations, relating, thinking about similar things, getting lost in it, trying to cope with it, trying, trying to deal with it, all of that kind of thing. And when I, when I first saw it, I just wanted to stop doing it. You know, I can remember watching where every time I, I smelled coconut, you know, I'd say, well, why, why every time I smell coconut do, am I suddenly back in Mexico or, or back at my friend's apartment it's always burning coconut incense, you know? Why is that happening? Or why every time I, I, I feel a certain displeasure around somebody's speech, why can't I stop going into hatred and aversion towards them? You know, why, why, it all happens so quickly. Why can't I stop doing that? Or, or why can't I just be aware of what's happening at the sense doors and, and just let, let it be that way? 
But that's the battle. You know, we're, we're battling with it all. And, and I think it's, it's much more realistic and accurate to, to realize that we're not trying to make that stuff stop. <laughs> we're just trying to see it. We're just trying to be, uh, be aware of it and see, see what's happening. And even if you get tangled in it for a little while, then um, you, we can still learn a lot because one learns like all the many infinite convoluted ways that the mind uh, picks up experience and relates to it according to our karmic patterns and habits. You know, we want to see that. We want to be able to see that and, and learn from it. And we, we want to see how the grasping um, in this way is our suffering. It's what constitutes our suffering. So it's not the activity of the aggregates that is the suffering. It's the fact that we don't see them and we don't realize um, uh, just that, that much, just seeing it as just that much and, and uh, instead getting lost in it all and grasping. So there's a lot to it, isn't there? And I was, I was talking to a gal this week. I just I wanted to share with you this one story because it just really cracked me up. It was such a good example of um, what goes on with grabbing hold of uh, views, perceptions, ideas, and the, all the mental states that accompany it. This was a gal who's a, she was just going through a lot of um, changes in her life. She moved and um, had a new job. And because of all of this, uh, uh, she said her sitting practice just went all to hell. She, you know, she lost her routine in all the hustle and bustle of the, these many changes in her life. And she was really concerned. And so she, she found, um, she found that this, uh, learned about this app for her iPhone and uh, decided that she was going to use this. And it's a, it was some kind of reminder service where um, you could go online and you could sign up for this reminder service. And then you had this little thing that would appear. You could, you could tell it anything. Uh, I want to be reminded to sit every morning. And then it, and it would send you an email in the morning <laughs> and, and remind you, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then um, in addition, you could also program it to send you a checkup email at the end of the day. So it would send you a checkup email, did, did you sit? You know, <laughs> and so she said, "Oh, this will be handy. This will be helpful. I just need somebody to remind me, and then I'll do it. I've just lost it for a while." Well, the whole experience had this unexpected result for her because it soon um, she saw that it really soon became the vehicle, not so much to sit or not sit, you know, but to see all the the various perceptions that she had about herself when she did something that she thought she should do, and when she didn't do something that she thought she should do, <laughs> and all the moods and the mind states that she could get into around all this, and, see, and seeing how unbelievably self-critical she could be, you know? So, and it was, she, as she put it, she said it was that end of the day checkup email <laughs> that got her, <laughs> you know? Because when that thing would come, she could see that, oh, I did sit. Ooh, aren't I, aren't I wonderful? Aren't I a good girl? Or I didn't sit. And it's like, oh, stupid. You know, 
how, how could you not sit? How could you not sit? And then she, and she start yelling at the email, you know, <laughs> get off my back. You're driving me nuts with your reminding me to sit, you know. And, and she would even uh, assign to it all these um, values and criticisms. Like it was, it was scolding her, you know. <laughs> and I mean, as she was telling her, I was just laughing and laughing. I said, oh man, this is classic. This is, it, it, it's just, you really see the, 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 uh, the way the mind relates. You know, all the, the views, the shoulds, the shouldn'ts that can be so painful. She said, she, she said, I just really could feel how I could, first of all, how incredibly critical the mind could be, but also how much she could buckle under the weight of that kind of self-criticism, how painful it was, how, how she could get lost in it. And so, uh, you know, the, in the end, what, what she did actually, you know, she, she said that the thing that really stood out was that none of that was actually helping her to get to the cushion. <laughs> you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really a player in whether she sat or didn't sit, you know. And so, uh, in the end, she just unsubscribed to this app and, and decided that the much better approach was sit or don't sit, but be there for the experience of that. You know, learn from that direct knowledge. What are, the, what are the consequences of it? What's it like to do it? What's it like not to do it? And, and let that be the, the, sh- the teacher. And that's what the Buddha is trying to get us to, that, that direct knowledge, that direct experience. So anyway, you know, just some thoughts about all of this. And, and I think that um, in some ways, the sanya and sankara, the perception and formations khandas, they can, they can uh, get a bad rap because uh, uh, it's very easy to think of, of these functions of the mind as sort of somehow the, the culprits in all of our um, self-absorbed suffering. But we really do have to remember that it's not these mental activities in and of themselves, that's the issue. It, it, it's really the, our, the failure to stand back from it and see it as just that much. You know, it's, not, it's not the activity of sanya and sankara that's the issue. It's the fact that we're identified with them, the fact that we believe that. And, and so that, that's what the Buddha is trying to get us to. It's, a, it's a, the, the identification with all of the aggregates, but sanya and sankara in this place, that's the issue. It's not those um, faculties of mind per se. In fact, uh, when you think about it, it it's the, these functions or these capacities of the mind that are the key players, just like feeling is a key player in the process of waking up. Sanya and sankara are too. These, these, this is the activity of mind that nails what's going on in the moment and that contemplates it according to Dhamma, that sees it and reflects upon it according to Dhamma. So, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it's important to not make that the issue because then you start to spin out. It, it, it's really um, just that we buy into it all, just that the, the unawakened mind uh, in, in the unawakened minds, it, it's as if these functions get hijacked uh, and, and constantly having to work through this very narrow filter of self-concern. And so it's all about me, and it's all about 
uh, who I am and what I think and what my view is and whether or not I'm doing it right and all the shoulds and the shouldn'ts and the, uh, the moods and the mind states that get built around all of that. So these functions are neutral in and, in and of themselves. And so our job as practitioners is just to, to see the, the workings of these and, and to feel very directly the consequences of being identified with it and standing back and watching it happen, noticing these as the, the activities of the mind. Grasping and non-grasping, that's how we want to see it. Okay? So I offer you this for your reflection tonight. So let's just sit for